0: Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, This week, I'm super honored, very excited to be joined again uh, by John Peterson. Um, John is someone I was extremely excited to talk to you way back when in episode number 181 uh and then i was honored to have him back on at number 238 uh john completed uh something called the impossible row which was rowing uh across the drake passage to antarctica with a group of uh five other guys um which is such a wild adventure. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it still to this day, even though there is a documentary about it um, that you should check out, which you can find on uh, Discovery. Um, And honestly, I think I just connected to John and his concept of adventure. I mean, I connected in so many ways. We were both dads, uh, both work in education, Um, but then when I hear him talk about adventure, I think what he takes out of it and what he took out of that experience is, is kind of, you know, the thing that like the way I idealize adventure, I think he kind of idealizes it in the same exact way. And by that, I mean, I think he's like seeing these, adventures that people take as ways for them to expand their own capacity um for anything in their lives whether it's struggle whether it's leadership whether it's you know just going about your day to day i think he's seeing the this idea of like hey you go on these adventures you have these experiences and that way when you're back in quote unquote regular life or whatever back in your routine you're able to bring some of those lessons back Um, and I think a lesson that he's always been interested in and something I'm very interested in is the concept of leadership what what makes an effective leader what makes what makes uh, like what qualities does someone have that make them mesh well with a team uh, and maybe you know lead people Um, to accomplish something together and we've done a handful of episodes about this concept with various people and I just love hearing everyone's perspectives I like seeing what kind of unique uh, takes they have on this concept but also I like to see like things that are just in general something you find in anybody's idea of what makes someone uh, a good leader and Uh, this one's awesome. Like really, really awesome. I, I've texted John, I've emailed him, told him how much I appreciated this. Um, but also how much it meant to me, uh, and probably to how I'm forming my middle school leadership class. Uh, I wrote is funny. Like I, when I do these episodes, I write, it's not fancy, (laughs) It's literally like a piece of paper, like a lined notebook paper. I write the person's name at the top. And then I write some, you know, bullet points, some topics of things we can talk about. Um, but I try to leave space on it so I can make notes as people are talking. And uh, as we were recording, I was hoping John didn't think I was ignoring him because I was like looking down writing. But I just filled out this paper with so many ideas. So let's get into it. I'm excited. Uh, This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 191 with the amazing John Peterson. All right. I am very excited, very honored to have one of my favorite guests back on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to sit down. We're going to we're gonna listen, uh, talk with John Peterson. Uh, John has done all sorts of amazing things. He's been on our podcast before for doing the uh, impossible row, which was uh, across the Drake Passage to Antarctica. They rowed a boat, six guys rowing a boat for a while, which is incredible. Um, today, though, I really wanted to dive in, John. Like, and I know lately you've kind of like I don't. I always hate the word pivot. Like, what, what are your thoughts on the word pivot?
1: <laughs> I'm wondering if it's a setup.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say you've you've taken your your career and you've kind of like gone your own path. Like you're, it's like you're driving down the road, like the highway with everybody. And then all of a sudden you're just like, ah, I think I'm going to forge my own way. And you like turn the wheel and you're off into the, into the gravel now and stuff. And, yeah. you know, you've become a leadership coach. Um, you started your own business and I'm just excited to kind of like dive into what that experience is like and, and your concepts from there.
1: Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me back on Chris. Always awesome to talk to you. I know we originally bonded over being dads and 49er fans. So uh, (laughs) appreciate, we both appreciate, you know, two things that we love very much, our daughters, um, and the 49ers, I guess you love George Kittle. Um, (laughs) so just to maybe maybe offer a bridge from the last episode i i don't know if you remember i ended talk, I ended up talking a little bit about um put myself in a vulnerable place and talked about um just my wife and i having a, a tough time difficult time trying to conceive um and fast forward to now actually a good story we we did actually end up having another baby um which is awesome and we're super um, blessed for that reason um but i i wanted to talk about it because I think there's a little bit more to that backstory and also talking a little bit about my own leadership journey. Um, I recently heard somebody say that your life story is your leadership story, which I really, really liked. Um, I heard it on a uh, on a podcast um, with Brene Brown, where she had a guest on, I think his name was Doug Cannon, and he said that, and I thought that, that stuck with me a lot. Um, we all have a leadership story because we all have our life story, um, which I think is a pretty cool idea. Um, so I guess maybe I'll start with just by saying that if we're talking about leadership, I think, you know, leadership by nature is just a super messy thing. Um, in the same way that I think life is super messy and you know, nothing's gonna go perfectly. Uh, very rarely do things go as planned. Um, and so I, I talked about that that piece with my wife um initially on because you know, we we never expected that to happen. Um and so I'll tell you a little story about my first my first job is my first principal job that I ever had, um, I was a principal uh, in Washington DC I worked in Washington DC for 14 years was a uh, fourth fifth sixth grade seventh grade teacher um, was also a principal in a, in a charter school. Um, in my first in my first. Uh, six weeks of being a principal uh, we found out that Sarah had a brain tumor. Um, That was the summer before. And that's kind of the backstory behind why it was Mm -hmm. difficult for us to have, um, have a baby, another baby. And um, turns out she was okay, she still is and something that we have had to manage together. Um, That happened. And then about uh, the first day of school, first day of school, great first day of school, and then that right at the end of the day, two parents got into a huge fight in the lobby, just full on fist punches, you know, you can imagine it was just chaos um, the first day. Uh, just from there, um, you know, it just got easier. I think just, I think the second week of school, a teacher walked into our huddle. We would stand in a circle every morning and told me she quit. Um, you know, was gonna walk off the job. And um, you know, we had even some serious thing. We lost a father to some um, uh, who was shot and killed. Um, he had four kids at our school, and that all happened amidst all the other crazy things that happened at a school in the first six weeks of being a principal. Wow. Um, so I think I'm telling you that that was my first time being a principal. And I, I start there with that, that story because um, you know, we're talking about leadership and um, I started by saying that leadership is messy. And so I think that you, as a leader, um, in order to, to get through and navigate all of those different challenges, you really have to compartmentalize um the different challenges that you face and you know whether that be a personal challenge that we obviously were going through with sarah um my wife or um you know all the issues that were coming up at school from you know a fight the first day between parents to losing a parent in a really horrific way um all of these things they require um require a response obviously and people look to you as a leader to respond to them, but they also require you to, to kind of, as a leader, be able to compartmentalize each one and allow, um, and allow yourself to navigate each of those challenges kind of independently. And I, and I say that compartmental. I start with a compartmentalization idea, cause I think that might resonate with a lot of your listeners who are endurance athletes, cause you yeah. know, as an endurance athlete, the first thing you start to do at mile, 20 mile, 15 mile, 10, <clears throat> hundred is start used to start to compartmentalize that pain and you put it in a different place and you say like, you know, I can keep going or I'm not going to stop because I'm going to put that pain aside and and use that little, I can voice in the back of your head to say, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll, I'll just start there and, and, um, Well, it's somebody, funny.
0: It's funny you, know, you bring that up. Cause when you were talking about kind of like the idea of like everything like it's it's everyone's always says like expect the unexpected and anything that can go wrong will go wrong or something like that you know uh it reminded me of adventure like it just to connect it to adventure you know you know as much as i know like you almost have to be prepared for at least as as prepared as you can get and then they're gonna it's gonna throw something else at you that you're just not ready for either but You have to have that like elasticity or flexibility to like handle any problem thrown your way. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And I think so, you know, and, and some people listening might say, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. You you put, you know, you put one challenge to the side and then you keep moving forward maybe a blind spot of that is you miss, you know, the things that are right in front of you. Yeah, um, essentially. I think you have to be aware of it. And I certainly have in, and. you know that might be, even be a, worth, a question worth asking. And Sarah, listens to this and saying, "Like, did I pay enough attention to you when this really uh-huh. traumatic thing happened to you?" Um, and and was I even helpful? I hope I was. Um, and and she's doing really well now. But I think you know those. That's potentially a blind spot of compartmentalization too, is your sort of emotional connection to other people, um, or to the to the event, or whatever it might be that you're trying to solve. But I think for me, and and this is, you know, you talked about the row, and I know we've talked about that on this this show before. Um, I think when when you're faced with really, really difficult challenges, there's two things that I personally lean back on, which is, one, you got to know your why. Why are you in it? Why are you doing it? Um, What are your core values? Do you understand your core values and how your core values relate to the other people um, who might be doing that challenge with you? navigating that challenge with you and then i think the second thing is comes down to trust Um, and trust to me is a cornerstone of a team so for me i believe leadership is fellowship Um, i believe in the idea that you you don't stand in front of people you stand with them Um, and so when you when you have those two things this idea of knowing your why um, and really what your core values are. Why are you in this moment, in this space? Why are you running across the desert in 120 degree heat? Like, why are you actually there? You got to ask yourself, you probably ask yourself that question many times when you're out doing like some type of endurance athletic. Right? There
0: are a few more
1: four letter words you throw in to that <laughs> sentence, but yes. <laughs> yeah, what Yeah. What the F is wrong with you, right? <laughs> uh, and 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 I've gotten that question many times about being on the road, Like, why did you do it? And, yeah. and you asked me initially, like, how do you, um how do you make a decision to do something like this in your life which we can talk about Um, but i do think that knowing your core values is really really important um core values for me integrity and family are are two of my my biggest ones that come up and so when i ask myself what am i doing this for usually it comes back to some of those core values and we um an exercise that i'll usually do with teachers is is the core values um activity where we select people select their core values and then they compare their core values and think about the core values of kids in their school or the parents at their school um to really put yourself in somebody else's shoes and think about why they might show up to that space every day usually usually you learn a lot about somebody when you learn about what their core values are and um it also gives you empathy to know that not everybody shows up for the same reasons um so i think that that's that's a big one the why so (laughs) just on that note like how do you get,
0: I mean, I'm thinking of myself as a teacher, but how do you get kids to like express what their core values are or, or even like your coworkers or a group of people? Like what kind of methods do you use where people explore that? Because I feel like there's times now where you can go months without thinking about your core values. Really. If you really were distracted and just kind of like moving along without really being present or, or intentional, you could go months without being like, how, what am I doing and how is it connecting to my core values?
1: Yeah. Um, I like to do this activity that I learned from, uh, from somebody who was one of my, my mentor leaders, um, which is essentially like this long list of, I don't know, 150 core values. And Mm -hmm. you have to do this exercise where you select 10 in five minutes and then you, in thirty seconds, select five, and then in thirty more seconds, select two um, or three. And then that that activity usually gets people to really forces people to think about what what actually is my core value. Which one of these is is most important to me? Um, and and usually from there, once you get down to the three, um, people start to get into good conversation about you know what their actual core values is. I pick I pick team building over. Um, over Alliance or something like that, because mm-hmm. team building seemed a little bit more specific to me about I believe in teams. So that that's the type of conversation that can be generated from that activity. Um I because
0: I, because a typical middle schooler, like from my experience, especially doing this leadership class, it's like, what are you like, what is what are you about? And they're like, I play soccer, and you're like, Okay. <laughs> yeah like what does that mean like i don't you know they connect to like what they do they don't connect to why
1: they're doing it i guess or
0: yeah. like what they're
1: getting out of it getting to the heart of the idea right which is really difficult i think it, especially i was an english teacher so like, getting to the core idea <laughs> yeah. of the piece is always a really tricky thing to teach i, I think um you know when one way to think about it i think for kids i hadn't thought about it this for for kids because adults usually can go through that process of looking mm-hmm. at core values and then think of stories related to it and i think for kids um doing an exercise where you have them think about somebody who taught them something like who's somebody that taught you something um that thing that that person taught you is now something that's a part of you you're you're like that person Um, because they taught you something and then you did that thing, or you thought about what they told you, um, or you practice what they told you, I think could be a good exercise for an adult or for a kid, both. Um, and, and usually, yeah, it can be hard for us to think about the things that create us or make us who we are. But if we start to think about the people who influence us to be that, I think that can be a, a great way to think about, you know, who our core values and who, what makes us who we are each day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think I I interrupted like what you were going for there, but it's, it's just to me, I'm like, I love that. And it took me until I was probably like 28 to really even start thinking about my core values. You know what I mean? Like they're always there. It's always present in the back of your mind. Like, these are the things I connect with. This is the kind of person I view myself as, but like to actually think like what, and what is important to me in what I do every day? It it was a while, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think you need an outlet for it. So so what I think what I was going to say was, you know, the first part of, of um of that journey of being a leader, and I said is is knowing your why. Um I think you need an outlet to really almost meditate about what that is. Like for me, that was always working out. Yeah, there was in the hospital when she was in the ICU. You know, I was in her her hospital room 23 hours a day, and the one hour I wasn't there, I was running the stairs, the Exorcist stairs, which are the the stairs next to Georgetown Hospital, and they were in the movie The Exorcist. It's like where well, the blood runs down the stairs.
0: That's terrifying. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: and like they're straight up. But that that was me going to like my meditation place to really like ground and center myself, so that when I went back into that hospital room and into the ICU with my wife. I was more grounded and and better. I felt better. So hopefully she felt better, (laughs) but that, that I needed that hour to really meditate and think about um, and and in some ways release, but also just think about, um, you know, what was most important. And I think, I think I've used athletics in that way pretty much my whole life. You know, I've always said like working out is my church, you know, that's, that's where I go to, to think and, and to kind of collect my thoughts. And when I'm done, I always come back feeling a little bit better. Turns out there's, you know, there's some um there's some bodily responses that help you, like endorphins for feeling better after a workout. But I think it's also the meditative process too of of going through that workout and regrounding yourself or centering yourself.
0: Yeah. And giving yourself space to just be with yourself, you know. Like I I know um Lindsay and I went through some tough moments when we're in Des Moines and I would go for runs every day and I would just go to this like really pretty rose garden and just sit there and just take like even like five minutes i would just sit there for like five minutes and just be like i'm just gonna chill out for five minutes but i did it every day so it was like a almost like you know a routine or or like a i don't even i don't know how to describe it but it 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 totally does help i wasn't running the exorcist stairs though or anything (laughs) badass like
1: that but i know i was it's just, it's just running stairs that's all
0: i'm gonna do burpees in front of the shining hotel uh next time i'm in estes so i'll I'll send you pictures i'll be like yeah. you you're not the only one who can do horror movie <laughs> <Yeah>. workouts <laughs> yeah.
1: um yeah i think you know it, it's so knowing your why is really important and i think that um when you understand your own core values and then you can think about others it gives you that added lens of of um of empathy, right? And your yeah. your ability to listen to other people and understand why people are, are making the decisions that they make. Um, you know, a lot of times we want our, I think we want our leaders to be perfect. We want them to make all the right decisions and we want them to um, stand out front and we want them to um, say the right things and do the right things. And when they make a mistake, well, you know, we, we can push them aside or say that they're not good at what they're doing. But um, I think if you take the stance as a leader of, I'm, I'm here because I believe that, um, again, I said this before, like leadership is fellowship, that my, my whole purpose as a leader is, is working with a community and helping a community, um, grow and thrive. And that's, that's what my job is. And when it's my turn, turn to leave that community because it's somebody else is ready to take that role, then that's, that's what I'll do. And, And honestly, that's what I did as a principal too. Um, when, when the school was ready for, the next leader to, to come i i decided to to step aside and let that person um you know there was a lot of factors but let that person really take the reins because he was ready to do it so yeah. um i think that that's that's the mentality you have to have i think as a leader that you're always in a learner stance you're always learning um and i think that comes back down to your core values and knowing again knowing your why um i think the second thing that i said was was trust and this to me is like Paramount. And and I think every almost, you know, read the top uh, leadership books out there. They all talk about this idea of trust. Um, And I think trust is core to relationships and relationships are core to teams. And for me, that's the most important thing that I could be focused on the rest of my life is how to build a strong team. Um, Because teams to me are are what accomplish, um, you know, great and big outcomes um i don't think it's it's not really about the individual it's really about the team it's a big reason why i was so interested in the rowing project um six guys coming together never met each other before four different countries whole bunch of different values um going across an ocean that nobody had ever crossed before in a rowboat with the possibility of death yeah that's an interesting project around teamwork
0: well Um, and i just as an example i I think you connected me to shay Cooper. Yeah, and after reading his book and watching their documentary, like when I when we talk about the idea of like synergy and like a team all pulling together and the beautiful thing that you're shooting for, you're striving for as a as a leader or a team, uh, rowing is such an amazing example for that because if everyone's doing it, if everyone's on the same page, everyone's has to be contributing then the whole thing's going to be like so smooth. And I don't know, it's just this beautiful like metaphor for what a team can be, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Arshay is, is a really amazing person and he's, um, been making huge momentous change within the sport of rowing. Yeah. And something that he and I have talked about actually is, is something I said to him, I was like, you know, you know, rowing is something that had a huge impact on my life and changed my life. Um, and it's changed the lives of people for a lot of people, honestly, who look like me, I'm a tall white guy. Um, and I, in something that we talked about is we really wanted to shift that dynamic so that that experience could also be for, um, for people who may not look like for, for, for black and Brown kids too, um, who typically are not in, in rowing seats, um, so he and I actually have, have talked about that and, and we could go down a whole different path yeah. um, and, and, and continue talking about that. And he and I have kept up actually because it's something um, we both are really passionate about um, and, and want to continue to make change in the rowing world in that way. Um, I, think, I think what I was talking about before is is around this idea of trust. Yeah. um and and building teams right and, and the sort of the bedrock and cornerstone of, of team building is, is trust and then the relationships that you build with other people um and as an example i, I mentioned that at, at school when the very beginning of the, the school year we talk about core values and then we also tell our, our life stories um as a way of building trust we did that on the road also right we sat around we talked about our core values we talked about some of our life stories um because when the you know stuff gets really tough, those are the things that you're going to lean back onto, um, and do you know somebody else well enough to be able to say, "Hey, you know, I trust this person enough to go, you know, feed my dog at night if I'm out, if I'm away, right? Can I trust this person enough even for that reason or for that thing, right?" Um, so, so those are the kinds of things that we talk about that we talked about in that extreme situation of rowing across the Drake Passage. It's also the the thing that we talked about. Um, when we talked about um starting the school year as well so i think that's that's something that's really important um and i think you know this this concept probably will resonate with people who've been on teams before too that um you know think of like the best teams in the world or the teams with the most talent who have won nothing right they've got like so much talent you're like how could that team lose and then they lose (laughs) right and then you look at the team that doesn't have any talent right and and they end up winning um and there's so many you know movies made out of stories like this right like the movie miracle the the, so good hockey team right or because that's on my mind from the olympics recently or um you know We we
0: recently did an episode to promote my own podcast we did an episode with with my friend nate who was in that movie Oh really? But I keep getting him confused. I'm like, did Nate actually win a gold medal or defeat Russia? And my and my wife's like, no, no, no. He was in the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah, the movie's so good that you would believe that Nate probably won. So good.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, even even a team with talent like the Chicago Bulls, right? There's somebody who um, who took that talent, Phil Jackson, oh, and yeah. really created that team. And the outcomes that they had was championship after championship, right? Um, because that team was working together. So I think that, um, thinking about trust in the relationship between people really helps, helps you build a team and is the cornerstone for what any other work, I think any other work that you're going to do, um, uh, any other work that you're going to do in order to build a team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I was curious, like, do you remember if you think way back cuz we mentioned some of your leadership roles that you've had but can you think of a time where you were first like thrust into a leadership position like was it at a really young age or was it you know would would you would you not consider really being thrust into a position like that until you were at a school as a principal or or what
1: um no i think it's a good question i think that the idea of leader um, can sometimes, you know, scare people away a little bit, right? Cause you're like, yeah, oh yeah, I don't want to be the leader or that leader was so good. Um, but change leader for coach or change leader for parent or change leader yeah. for, um, mentor or change leader for volunteer. Um, I think that, you know, leaders exist in, in lots of different capacities and look in uh, many different ways. And so, um, Really I think what that tells me is that you know leadership is about understanding yourself and then how you relate to other people. Um, and I think one thing that I've really strongly believed, um, especially I think this this was was definitely true when I became a principal um, or it reaffirmed itself, was this idea that communities have the right people and the impactful solutions to thrive. And as a leader, your job is to, um, essentially elevate the voices in that community to meet whatever goals that they have. Um, so really, what does that mean for you as a leader? If you believe that, that the communities do have the right people and do have the impactful solutions already, then what does that mean for you as a leader? If you're chosen to go there or you're selected, hired, whatever reason, um, that means you got to be a good listener. That's like the first thing you got to do is listen, um, and, and if you're not listening then then that's that's a very important skill to pick up i think as a leader because the more you listen the more you hear what people actually need and usually the solutions are there um and, you know I think it, I think something that a trap that people can fall into and i certainly have found, fallen into this myself is when you step into lead in places that are looking for solutions you want to provide a lot of solutions too right you mm-hmm. want to look like you' are you're making an impact that you're have, you have all the right ideas. And a lot of times it's setting you up to fail because then everybody's looking to you to find all the solutions for every single problem that's impossible. You can't solve all the problems. Um, and so it took me a lot of mistakes to learn that uh, for sure. You know, And I, I still make that mistake all the time. And I think it's, it's something that I would say I'm working on right now as a leader in my own leadership development is how do I ensure that um, I'm not setting up a, a relationship with a group of people that I'm working with so that they're looking at me for the solutions because I'm the leader by name um, or or whatever it might be, or positional leader. Um, and so that's that's something that I think is really important to think about as well. Um, and I would say the, the way to combat that is to, to listen first um, yeah. and to ask good questions and, and to help people see solutions that they already might have it's it's
0: a weird like it's a very human thing to want to go in like you're in you're put into a position and you want to show that you're like capable and that you're bringing ideas to the table. so i see but i see that's a trap that so many people fall into uh, me included because now i'm thinking i'm rethinking my leadership class i'm like they all look to me as like the dude coming up with stuff because i'm the teacher I'm like there has to be ways where, I can kind of like slowly pull back from that role, at least for that specific class. But I just feel like that is like a trapping of a leader, like having a leadership position that is so hard for people. Cause a lot of the people who are getting these positions are like super highly motivated, you know, highly driven and they want to do good and they want people to think they're doing really good. And, and so it's, it just seems like it's almost like a natural uh, thing for them to fall into is wanting to like have all this, like, at least appear to have all the solutions, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, uh, one question that people uh, or something that people always say to me in, in a school and schools can be chaotic, you know, this, uh, that's like an understatement. A lot of times people people will say like, and this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier around compartmentalization, Um, you know, how are you so calm? And part of that is this idea of of knowing that like, okay, yes, there are 10 problems right now. I understand that. Um, And I'm not going to solve any of them in this one second if I don't stop, think, listen to what the different problems are, and then in some ways compartmentalize them. Yeah. Put in some, sometimes put them on a drafting board and decide which problem is the one that you need to solve first um, And i think that a lot of times that that sort of calmness that uh, that people talk to me about when i'm in a school or leading a project um, is because one i've experienced a lot of difficult challenges in in the schoolwork that i've done and in other projects that i've done um, like the row or uh, you know some of the other things that we've talked about the bike, Um, I think when you experience, the more challenges you experience, the more you can know that there's gonna be solutions to those problems, right? Um, And so, you know, you originally asked me about, well, how do you, why did you take the risk to go on the the, the row? You know, you were a dad, you're kind of mid-career. This is something that was potentially life ending um, and it was pretty extreme why make that decision? And it's, it, I think it's in part, uh, was this idea of knowing the, knowing the risks, but also knowing that there's feeling optimistic about the outcomes because I could control, um, certain elements, like how much pain I was willing to tolerate and, yeah. uh, you know, how, how long that we would be gone. And, you know, all these little things that, that I've talked about before with you, um, down to you know the knife that i'm carrying in my pocket that i'm going to use to cut the tether in case it gets wrapped around my neck you start to really think about all these little details that help you compartmentalize the the fear of the unknown um i guess and so that's that's kind of how i think about solving you know even the most mundane problems at school like there's no milk delivered today you know what are you what are we gonna do no children have milk right and you know okay well let's 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 stop and think and figure out what we can do yeah go to the the store down the street and buy some big jug gallons so that we can pour up Dixie cups at you know lunchtime like maybe that's what we do i don't know yeah Um, i feel
0: like you're hitting on something that i just i love and have to just call out for a second but like adventure being this way to expand your capacity for this like you're talking about as a leader you're trusting enough in the people around you and also trusting enough that a solution will come about. It might not be an instantaneous solution, but just knowing like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, eventually a solution will arise. But I think like an adventure, like the, I mean, the one you you've gone on, uh, is is very extreme, but just the adventure in general is going to expand your capacity for that because, you know, like you just mentioned, like, they're, they're not being milk. Like, yeah, it sucks in the moment. You're like, ah, that's a bummer. I wish we had that. But like, once you do something challenging, you're like, well, this is something that obviously is not a huge deal. And there's probably many ways we can handle it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Um, I, it kind of makes me think of this passage. I'm, I'm working on a book in the keynote right now. Um, and I'm I'm wondering if maybe I I can just read it. Yeah, Which man, is a, a small if if maybe for listeners who haven't heard any of the podcasts about the row before might give us a little win, window into the row itself. Um, but I think it hits on some of these ideas that we have too.
0: Um, yeah, go for it.
1: Okay. It was a nighttime row, and I had started to feel sick about six hours before this. After multiple days of rolling surf, the seasickness began to catch up to me. As I lay in the cabin on our 90 minute break, I looked at the ceiling as bags fastened to the wall, lay flush and, the ex- and then extended out in a 90 degree angle as waves passed under us and then the bag thudded back against the wall. My belly rumbled. I decided that I would just eat the same kind of food each time we rested, a freeze dried pasta dish with red tomato sauce and sausages. As each wave passed, I felt each tiny pasta move in my belly from the left side to the right side, left, Right, tomato sauce. Starting to feel sick. At this point, my stomach was truly starting to show through my skin. I lost close to twenty pounds since the trip started, and I was becoming increasingly seasick, and I didn't know why. The first seven days were felt my ear. The scopolamine patch that I wore on the back of my ear was gone.
0: Wait, time out, John. Time out. Sorry, I lost you. You pause for a second. So, can you go back to the first seven days? Yeah. I'll add uh, it
1: The first seven days were fine. Then I felt my ear. This copalamine patch that I wore on the back of my ear was gone. The patch is a land dwellers remedy to the ocean movement. Placed behind the ear, the medicated patch helps the body retain its sense of equilibrium, even in the most difficult, difficult conditions. Mine was gone. I got out of the hatch. The sky was dark and large waves were pushing our boat forward as we enjoyed a Southern wind that helped our momentum. The scene of white tipped waves began to fade as a wave of nausea overcame me. I began to throw up over the side of the boat, stroke three times, throw up, sip of water, spit, row three times, throw up. A teammate opened the hatch to the cabin. Hey, do you need to take a break man? In all reality, I probably should at this point said no. I said yes, but I said no, throw up over the side, feeling a little bit sick. I'm missing my patch. The teammate said, hey, I got you, and went to his med kit. This is a miraculous feat in and of itself. At this moment, the teammate was just as tired as me, possibly just as sick, on his 90-minute rest, and he was helping me. He offered me a patch, which I quickly put behind my ear. I told him I was good, and the hatch closed, leaving the boys to quickly fall into slumber with their precious uh, rest fading away. I did a gut check. I threw up. Sit up, row. I had to make a decision on what to do at this moment. The two rowers in front of me continued to press forward. It was for our safety. If we stopped rowing, we risked turning broadside to the large waves, which would result in flipping. The sleeping teammates in our cabin trusted us unconditionally that we chose to row to keep them safe. And at that moment, I chose the same. The only reason I needed to row at that moment, despite seasickness, dehydration, lack of calories, utter exhaustion. Was to get home that's it i put my eyes on the first rower called the stroke he continued to move up and down the slides. his red arms are covered with reflective safety decals that bounced off light from our safety light at the stern of the boat the night continued on endlessly to the horizon illuminated only by the white tips of waves that pushed us forward toward an eventual land sighting my hands gripped the oar they were cold i'd stopped rowing for about five minutes to allow myself to put on the scopolamine patch and throw up several more times over the boat. My exit from this hellish moment would only be delivered by one person, my daughter. I put her image in my head, a short and sturdy blonde toddler with pigtails and deep hazel eyes. She's looking at me and I'm looking at her, even though my eyes are closed. I say her name, Mari. I say it again on the next stroke, Mari. Over and over again, each stroke her name. I lost track of where I was, I could have been shouting her name, I could have been whispering it. The two rowers in front of me were equally lost in their own thoughts as their warm winter hats covered their heads and a large red hood zipped up the front of their face, only leaving small holes for eyes. We were six men on a boat, three fast asleep, the rowing three cocooned in Gore-Tex, saying silent prayers to ourselves that this was not our day to go that pushing forward on the oar would protect us from the deep, deep ocean that would just as easily consume us in one big gulp. And I was more connected to my daughter at that moment than at any other time I had been with her. She saved my life. I found power in me that I didn't know existed. I continued to pull on the oar, knowing that my salvation was the steady momentum of movement and the calm whisper of her name, Mari, Mari, Mari. So,
0: that's amazing
1: dude yeah that's that's a passage that obviously has some deep emotional resonance yeah it does yeah (laughs) i felt it man holy moly
0: uh one i'm very excited to eventually read this and two i think you should do the audiobook because you're really good at that part (laughs) (laughs) which is Um, good if it's a keynote speech too you know
1: yeah I, wow. so so, two things I would say about it, and the reason why it it kind of resonated when you when we started talking about this idea of of the why and then trust. And for me in that in that short passage, there's two those two things are at play. Um, the why, for me on that trip, and that moment, when when it was the most, probably the most difficult moment of the entire trip, for me personally, um, I went back to my core values. I literally thought about what's most important to me, which was my family family is one of my core values and that got me through that moment mentally and then the other part of that i just talked about was trust and this idea of relying on your teammates um and building trust so deep that even in the moment where they they could have easily that guy didn't need to open the hatch and ask me if i was right he didn't yeah he it was his right to be asleep and he did he opened the hatch he said hey man you okay let me get you stuff like he took Fifteen precious minutes of sleep to help me in that moment, and it really did help me and got me through. Um, and so I think that's 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 like a, a very extreme moment of of the why and the trust that I think are needed to be both a good leader and a really strong team. Um, but I think you know those those types of moments exist all the time in every type of interaction we have in the communities that we're in, um, and sometimes we miss them because we're just not thinking about it because it, you know our life may not be on the line. Um, but those two things are always at play, um, our ability to trust other people and our connection to, um, you know, our own why and why we believe the things that we do.
0: Yeah. I would say most, most of the time people are missing that, you know, I don't know if that's like, I don't want to like, I don't want that to sound like pessimistic, but I think realistically, it's just hard for people to be thinking about. But at the same time, like things happen and then you're reminded of it, you know, like, but it's, but I think to your point is like, it shouldn't have to be an extreme circumstance. It shouldn't have to be like when something really difficult happens in your life, like you're surrounded by that trust and you have your why at all times in like anything that you're doing, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's true. And then I also would say, um, you know, to get to that moment of being thrust into your, your why, I guess, is what, what we're talking about or or having a moment where you're, you're the, the bonds of trust between the people that you are on a team with or uh, in a community with are tested. Um, For me, the way that I test that for myself is through challenge. Yeah. I want to, I want to push myself in uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best athlete never was. Um, You know, I remember, I remember being in seventh grade and I was like a kind of a, tall chubby kid and my PE teacher was like hey you're gonna run the mile and I was like okay and he said you've never run faster than eight miles or eight minutes can you run any faster and I said I'll try seven today and you know I ran a seven minute mile <laughs> and, you know, and so I remember that really distinctly and it was like I think I came in last place in the cross-country race but it was that moment of like I'm gonna set myself out there and put myself in a challenge uh, a challenging space, and I think that's when people ask, like, "Why did you do the row?" I think if I'm really honest with myself, part of it is that that I, I, I seek out the challenge, um, something that's going to really push me to think about um, those those core values and 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 also um, and and just put something in front of me that that is that pushes my limits, um, gets me to my edge point, uh, yeah. both as an athlete and as a leader and as a person.
0: I got to ask a bit about your bike ride this summer, just real like while, while I have you. Um, I know. So you were you guys were biking a uh, small team, right? Like, wasn't there three of you guys? Or two? Yeah, I,
1: I started out solo and then a friend of mine joined us uh, in Nevada and he rode across Nevada with us, which t- it, honestly, <laughs> if you just rode across Nevada, that's enough. Like, <laughs> that's Nevada- what I was going to
0: ask. I wanted to ask specifically about Nevada and the desert, and it was it was so hot in the summer. I don't, I mean, it just felt way hotter than normal. And I don't know why that is, but you guys were riding like right around that time. Like, how did you, were there any lessons during that ride that you, you know, some, like realizations or ways you crew through that?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. You're right. To put it in perspective, we, we were riding on the hottest day on earth ever recorded. Uh, and I think, you know, the outside temperature one day read 122 degrees on the car thermometer. And I think on the asphalt, it was probably closer to 130. Um, we would start riding, we'd get up at two in the morning because yeah. we try to avoid heat. You know, we ride from 2 AM to about noon, basically until, um, you know, our eyes are so bloodshot and red from the heat that we were like, okay, we're calling it. <laughs> it's just too hot now. You got to stay dehydrated. And this was not a race. you know, there's people, who have done race across the country in seven days? And
0: well, that's bonkers, man! Just
1: insane, insane athletes, and have done amazing feats uh, on their bikes, r- race, riding across the country. For me, this was just again an opportunity to to challenge. Uh, and luckily I, I married somebody who allows me to do stupid things like this every once in a while. Uh, and, and so she, you know, she's from Chicago and I said, well, Hey, I'm going to, I'll come to Chicago too. We're going to spend a few weeks there, but I'm going to bike there uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of rolled her eyes. And then, and then actually it, it came true. Um, but we ended up biking. I, I made it across California in two days. Um, so from, from, from Oakland, so I, I technically didn't start on the coast. I started in Oakland, uh road to um volcano california the first day and then from volcano to south lake Tahoe to the border. Um and then and then we went the, the next four days, spent the next four days going across Nevada. Um and you asked me what did I learn or take away from it. Yeah. I think you know one thing that I I think is is has always been difficult for me about running and biking is it, it is a very soul can be a very solo experience. Um and I've always crave sports more sports that were aligned with teams so like I played football and in middle school I was like soccer basketball, you know, and then of course I, I did rowing all through college and, and after college and in those sports you're always you're always with a team you're always a part of a group of people and I think that's what always has always resonated with me. Um, for, for basically anything that I've chosen to do. I love teaching because you lead a team of kids. Yeah. Uh, and and how how magical is that um and then as a principal you get to lead a team of, of adults who are working with kids um and i i think i found out that i really enjoyed that that part of it where you um get to lead lead and build teams of adults um and so i was always drawn to things that were would allow me to be a part of a team um and um and i think that that is that's an approach that maybe is different for, for different people. Sometimes people are out there running really long distances because they have um, set a goal for themselves that is way different than maybe the goal that I might've set, which is, uh, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, And again, I think it comes back down to your why, you know, like why do you like doing certain things? So you asked me what I learned. I really enjoyed Nevada, even though it was the hardest part. And in the, you know, in the damn uh, summer, um, but I like being with the group of guys that I was with, well, with one other person, Ryan, and, um, and then our, my nephew was, he was driving the car, like that would help us and do stops. So we had a sad car driving with us. Um, and, and he would set up basically base camp for us every 30 miles to get rehydrated oh, cool. and, yeah. and, and fed. Um, he's a, he's a sophomore in college now. So that was sort of like his center summer internship. opportunity. Oh, At least so that's how cool. I sold it to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I think, I think you're, I think that's, that for me is, that's the thing is, is how do you, um, how do you put yourself in a position that's super challenging and also allows you to build community and and team for me? That's, that's what I'll be looking for. I think my whole life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other kind of, uh, concepts you want to use as we like wrap up, which by the way, I showed you my note paper before and i should have showed you like showed you all but i was afraid you'd be like he wrote down like four questions cuz i'd only had like four things written down but now i've just filled this up dude and i'm gonna i'm like i'm using so much of this with my leadership class like this is awesome so so yeah a full i need to frame this one coffee stains <laughs> and all <laughs>
1: Um yeah, and I'd love I mean I'd love to come back and talk with your class too. That was oh, that awesome. was
0: so much fun, man. I mean, yeah. I think we joked about it last time, neither of us knew how to use
1: Zoom. And then like a month later, it was like everybody had to do it. <laughs> now, now it's our second, yeah, it's like our new new way of being. Um I think you know, what else would I say? I, I don't know if I would say anything else. I think those two core ideas um really are most important to me, which is yeah um as a leader. You don't stand in front of people, you stand with them. And um, and this idea of leadership as fellowship means that you're building trust with the community that you're in. Yeah. Um, and that you believe truly that the community that you're in has the right people and impactful solutions to thrive. Um, I think you started off by saying, how do you get the confidence to do something like row the Drake or do something different? Yeah. It might be every day, um, you know... Uh, everyday routine, um, and maybe that for you, that's like a 5K or a 10K or a bike ride or swimming or, or anything, right? And anything that kind of pushes you and challenges you, I think that that's, that's something really honorable to follow. And um, I would say, you know, for me, I equate this idea of challenge with never stop learning, never stop learning about yourself, never stop learning about other people, um and never never give up you know never never stop trying and so i think when i think about you chris also also and why i enjoy being on this podcast so much and and really respect what you do is i think that that's like at the core of your project which is to learn about how other people um navigate hardship um through really doing really crazy stuff like putting two feet in front of each other across a desert right uh, and so I think that that to me is it you know we talked about core value seems like one of yours and, and something I really respected about you which is this idea of never stop learning um, and I think which is the point of this podcast so I, I one of the points at least I don't know you can tell me differently but I, I that's what I would say is is to me challenge means um, you know I don't want that that word to scare people away it's actually just don't stop learning go go do something different that that pushes you and and makes you think a little bit differently. Um, and, uh, and, and really don't do things that are going to make your wife too upset.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That the third pillar of leadership is, uh, don't do things to make your wife upset. Um, dude, that's incredible, man. And, you know, thinking about like, what is something that I, that draws me to do this every week? I think it's honestly, like you talked about empathy earlier, And just understanding someone else's perspective on a topic. And it's just funny to me. Like, I just love hearing people's perspective because it helps me kind of expand my own. You know, like I have my own way of viewing an adventure or leadership, but then you hear someone else talk and now you've added to yours. You know, like I think there's, it's probably like some quote that I can't remember and I would do the quote wrong, but the there's an idea in in leadership where it's like hey like especially as a leadership coach or a leadership teacher like someday the the people i'm leading are going to move beyond me like they'll that's the goal of it is they'll move on to other leadership ideas that i might not have had because i just had my own perspective and when you talk to people like you or some of the other people i've talked to on the podcast like it is it is they're sharing their stories And then you get to add it to your own and your own like concept of how the world works and, and what you're capable of. And it's awesome, man. I love it. Um, I do want to, I, so I've asked the last couple of people this, but I'll ask you too, because I think it is one of those interesting perspectives, but right here is, uh, this is from this amazing dude, uh, Brendan Leonard. Uh, he writes semi rad. It's an awesome, like, uh, article like every few weeks but he does these super cool drawings. This is the periodic table of elements of adventure and there's all sorts of stuff like frost and experience and perspective is on there number 91. Um but I was just curious if you had to add one element to that um and maybe you want to make it in line with leadership and maybe not but like what would you add what's one element of adventure like you really connect to? Mm not to put you on the spot or anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good question. I, and I really like the idea of the periodic table of um, of anything of anything. Yeah, the <laughs> first word that came to mind for me was dream. and then the second word that came to mind for me was peace. Oh. And dream is is such a, an awesome way to um, there's nothing that, t- that says you can't think of an idea you may yeah. not do it, but you can dream <laughs> about it. Uh, you know, like I, I, I will say like my secret dream is to do the, to do some type of Iditarod type race. I don't know if it would be the Iditarod, but something like that would be amazing. And, and if, you I, were, if you're interested, you know, like maybe we can figure out a, you know, nanny share between the man, two of
0: them. <laughs> I got plenty of, so, uh, this guy I interviewed for the podcast, Ryan Wanless, who's incredible. Like not only I got a chance to interview him, but I've interviewed him a handful of times, but he's also like, connected me to so many amazing people. Anyways, dude, I have to share this. I just saw last night. He's doing the on foot the 1000 mile iditarod. Which is crazy. It's like a month long on foot and he just started yesterday and his wife posted about it and Emily wow. has been on the podcast too. She's an amazing ultra runner, but um also but she posted about it so I there's a way to follow it. Anyways, super cool. Uh, I like geek out about that. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, so there's nothing that says you can't dream and like write stuff down and just be like, this is a crazy idea. I'm just going to put it down on paper. And then that idea might turn into something you never know. Um, the other word I said was peace. I, I really love the simplicity of being out there on an adventure. Um, it really helps you push aside the things that are not important and focus on the things that are important. And sometimes that means like focusing on your actual, like physical health for that exact moment. Um, But I found a lot, I find a lot of peace in that simplicity. And I think it's like the one, when I look back on the row, when I look back on the bike this past summer, um, it is, it's a little intoxicating to want to get that feeling again of just peace and simplicity because distraction has been removed and you're so focused on the here and now um so that would be my those would be my two words dream and peace that's one sorry i gave you two no
0: that's cool we'll throw we'll see i I was trying to see real quick if they're on there i don't think they are get add some more that's amazing um dude where can people find like i know we mentioned really quick your leadership coaching like is that something you're actively promoting because i know it's at times it can be specific, like you do a lot of stuff with schools and things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, the company that I started is called threshold, uh, and it's a a leadership coaching, um, consulting company, I guess. And then the, uh, and, um, that, that is the best way to find that right now is on LinkedIn. I I don't have anything fancy yet. Um, but I'm always just open to discussion. I, I think this is what you have is, is like an amalgam of, of all these different people who are so amazing coming together and talking about the different ideas of, um, the human spirit and, um, and adventure and, and leadership. And so I'm always open to the people just reaching out and talking. In fact, some people on yours sh- who have been on your podcast, I've reached out to them because I'm like, Hey, that was awesome. You know, I'd love to talk to you more about this. And they responded. So, so cool, um, man. If you ever it- wanted to message me on LinkedIn or on, um, you know, my Instagram, John R Peterson, you- please feel free. And I'd love to, to talk more.
0: Yeah, man. I, I think that's the beautiful thing about all of this adventure community is people are so excited about it and willing to share ideas and, and help each other along the way. Like it's so, it's really encouraging. Yeah. But yeah, man, thanks for coming on, dude. Let's do this again
1: sometime. All right. Thanks Chris.
0: All right. That wraps up this week's episode. Uh huge thanks to John for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure talking with him always 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 um i got a chance to chat with him this summer while he was doing his uh bike ride um and i also got a chance to talk with him about the 49ers in the playoffs because we were texting back and forth um he's just a fantastic person and i've really enjoyed getting to know him uh through the podcast but really like like i said i think this episode with some of the ideas that he brings to the table is something any of us can use in any of our positions because even if you're not in a quote-unquote leadership position i i think what this concept is is being somebody that people are going to want to work with being someone people are going to want to collaborate with um so i absolutely enjoyed it uh And I really like the idea of like, you got to understand yourself. You just do. That's actually how I start my leadership class every year. I'm going to add some stuff after talking with John. Um, But you have to understand yourself and you have to understand how you relate to other people. Once you have that self-understanding, I think you can go really, really far. Uh, Obviously, I also think self-understanding is something that is it's kind of a pursuit that needs to happen throughout your life. And I think, you know, obviously you change. Like I think back 10 years ago versus where I'm at now or who I am now. And I'm like, there are definitely those certain core things that don't change. Um, But I'm like, man, like you change a lot in a year or two years or five or whatever. Like you should always be trying to, continuously, uh, self-reflect, right. And to tie it in with adventures and why I think you should have them is because those are the perfect opportunities for self-discovery. Those are the perfect opportunities to give yourself space from your normal routine space from your everyday life and give you that time to really think about things. You know, sometimes it's just getting into the quietness of nature and you can finally, you know, collect your thoughts. Um, but when you're going through something and you, you go through a like self-discovery, I think that is way beyond beneficial. I think that is kind of one of the purposes of being here is figuring out who you are and why you're here and how you can affect others. Um, it's, it's really the to me, it's the thing that is the c- continuous quest for me in life. Um, so I loved that. I love that John mentioned that, and I, that's where I think me and him are really aligned in some of some of these ideas um, with these like deeper concepts about what uh, stepping outside your comfort zone can bring to you. Um, speaking of stepping outside of your comfort zone, I wanted to mention this uh, there's like, I mean, there's probably a bunch of the people I've had on the podcast before doing amazing things right now. Um, because you know, in my estimation, they're all amazing people. Um, but there's three specifically, um, that I wanted to, uh, to mention, um, because they're currently going through their, various uh journeys expeditions uh challenges things like that um and so if you want to follow along with them uh i don't know how much they're posting some of them are going to be way out in the wild and i'm not sure how much they'll be able to post there um but these are really interesting stories to me um from some amazing human beings first is jackie hunt broshma um who we talked to back at episode number 161 of the podcast. Um, Jackie is an amputee, ultra runner. Uh, She ran 100 miles on a treadmill after we talked with her. Uh, She stepped up to the Moab 240 um, and was unable to complete it, but is going back this year. Uh, But right now, she is going for... um, She's trying to set the record for uh, continuous marathons in a row. Um, She is almost halfway done. Hold on. Let me look at the exact number. She just finished marathon number 45. So that's 45 marathons in 45 days. Um, She's an awesome, awesome person. Very inspirational. Uh, I've been following along. At one point, she did... uh, half marathon in the morning and half marathon later in the afternoon and for some reason people were like that shouldn't count as a full marathon because you didn't do it continuously i don't know why they sound like bane from uh the dark Knight rises but apparently they do uh in my version of this but people were mad or something or whatever so she went back out that night and ran another marathon that night so that means in the middle of doing, uh, like trying to do 100 marathons in 100 days, or at least doing 45 and 45, she ran a 50 miler in one of those days, which is wild. Um, so that's Jackie. Follow her. I think her Instagram is NCRunnerJackie. I think she's the one that's probably going to be posting the most. Then we have Explorer. Uh, Ray Zahab, Ray's done everything. He's an incredible explorer. He is very inspirational to me. Um, you can see him in films like uh, Running the Sahara uh, and all sorts of stuff. He's done pretty much everything an adventurer can do, even though he'd tell you he has so much more to do still, which is amazing. And that's why he's. You know, one of my heroes, uh, he was on episode number 241. Um, but he currently yesterday took off on a 60 day expedition. Uh, and I might get all the location details wrong. Hopefully, we can get him on uh, after this. But um, he essentially is running this island in the Arctic, uh, called and I might mess this up too, Ellesmere which he'll be uh, transecting with uh, his teammate Terry Noah and filmmaker Caroline Cote, or Cote. If I'm messing that up, I apologize. But um, they're they're going across it, and it's going to be completely uh, self-contained, which means that everything they need to survive and complete the adventure will be dragged behind their sleds, so 185-pound sleds. Uh, they're traveling over a thousand one hundred kilometers um, from south to north, so should be awesome. I'm, I I sent him a lot of messages saying how excited I am, and and I think like even just from things he was posting before the adventure, you could just see how much joy this brings him, and even in like the little video clips or whatever that they were putting on as they were like flying and preparing and all that like just the the amount of like it was almost like contagious like the life that he had you know like the like excitement and the joy and all of that was almost like you could almost like feel it just from watching the video so i was like dude this is like you can tell like this is what you love so go enjoy it dude um which is awesome and then last but certainly not least is one of my favorite people I've met through this podcast is Ryan Wanless who's been on a handful of times um and is and him and his wife have been on um we've talked to him about all sorts of things uh this first time he was on was episode number 133 where he ran the arrowhead 134 in a polar vortex and he got dfl which is amazing so that means he was out there longer than any other human being in the coldest thing the coldest time ever anyways then from there his journey led him to the 350 mile iditarod trail invitational um but now he has just started the thousand mile iditarod on foot uh It's awesome, dude. I am so excited for him. I know this is a dream that he had. Uh, This is his dream race, and he's in the middle of it now. So I think you can go to the Iditarod's website, follow his tiny blue dot as he traverses Alaska. So cool. So, so, so cool. And his wife Emily is absolutely amazing. Um, And, you know, obviously thoughts are with her as, you know, she's up there supporting and and following the blue dot along with all of us so um yeah amazing there's some super cool super amazing human beings who've uh really inspired me everybody i just mentioned and john peterson and really so many people i've interviewed for the podcast i am very very honored and lucky all right that's it that wraps it up for the week we will get back at you next week